Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up, it is a Mental Health Monday with the spread of the Delta variant threatening to undo all the progress we've made in fighting the pandemic, how to avoid the risk of a relapse when it comes to the mental health issues COVID-19 created. Also this morning, are you stressed out? Who isn't these days in honor of National Wellness Month? Some simple ways to get that tranquil spa experience at home anytime you need an escape. And Hancock County 4-H members are busy preparing for the fair, the OSU Extension busy getting ready for back to school, and a restart of family and consumer science community programs. We'll get all the details on what's happening. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Monday, August 9th, 2021. So did you uh, watch the closing ceremonies of the uh, Summer Olympic Games? That's, it's kind of interesting. Uh, I saw a report on the, on the Newswire. Uh, they were uh, asking about uh, how many of the athletes at this year's games we might see uh, at the next Summer Olympics. And it was a, actually a surprisingly large number of Olympians say, yeah, I'm going to be back for the next Olympics because it's only three years away instead of the usual four years away. So I guess that makes sense, uh, whereas normally you would probably see fewer athletes uh, you know, repeat. I mean, I know a lot of athletes do you know, repeat from one Olympics to the next, but uh, more so this year probably because... Uh, there's uh, one less year uh, in between uh, Olympic Games, given the fact that the uh, 2020 Olympics were uh, were delayed. Plus the fact that, you know, the, uh, the whole pandemic games were uh, obviously very different than a normal Olympic experience. So I can imagine there are a lot of uh, Olympians who would want to come back for, you know, the full uh, the full experience. Um, it was uh, very apparent from the start of these games that uh, ratings were down significantly from the last go-around in 2016 in Rio and 2012 in London. And uh, the, the ratings from the, from the very opening ceremonies, that continued. NBC's overall TV audience was down an average of 45% from Rio and uh, primetime viewership was down by 51%. So, what happened? The uh, folks at Yahoo Sports asked a number of uh, experts for their analysis. And some of the uh, general ideas, the general consensus was that it was a combination of several factors, fractured audiences, all kinds of TV viewership including those for live sports, are down since the start of the pandemic. So it's not just the Olympics, it's sports in general. Uh, viewership has been down. That's number one. The pandemic itself, the lack of crowds, the empty stands, made it seem less exciting to watch. And that's something, again, we have discovered through the course of the pandemic, that sports on television just is not the same unless there is a big crowd in the stands. It's just not the same, even if they pump in fake crowd noise and all of that, you still know that the stadiums are empty and it's just not the same. So uh, some people may not have tuned in because they didn't think the games were exciting to watch. Or in some cases, the effect of the pandemic, some people might not have believed that the games should have been held at all amid the pandemic. So they just didn't watch uh, the rise of streaming services. More things are, are moving online to streaming services. Now, NBC did stream uh, quite a bit of the Olympic competition, but it was there was criticism that the options for viewing across the NBC network, their cable channels, their streaming options was all very confusing and things need to be made more clear for viewers so that they can tune in to see what they're interested in. And I found that to be... The case for me, I didn't know what was on and when. And part of that was the other factor that they cited, the time zone displacement. Japan, 13 hours ahead of us. So it was tough to know what was going to be on when, adjusting for the time. And then there's always the issue when the Olympics are being held someplace where there is a huge difference in time. Because quite often, you know the outcome 
of events that have already happened before they air. Uh, A lack of star power, a lot of uh, experts said. There just weren't the kind of names like past Olympics. No Michael Phelps, Usain Bolt, that kind of thing. The two athletes that probably did have the biggest name recognition did not compete much. Simone Biles, of course, dropped out of most of her events. And uh, Naomi Osaka, uh, obviously a well-known tennis uh, player, she was eliminated very early, so she wasn't there. So those are probably the two with the uh, biggest name recognition from this year's games. And, of course, then there is the impact of politics. Uh, Some experts have suggested that athletes being more politically vocal might have played a role in some viewers not tuning in, which is probably the case as well. So probably a combination of all of those things, but ratings were down quite substantially uh, this year from past games. Thought that was kind of interesting. Some of the other uh, most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Monday morning started here. Did you know Facebook has rolled out a new feature for prayer requests? It lets uh, Facebook users... Uh, Members of Facebook groups that have the feature can use it to ask for prayer support for things like illness, important upcoming events, challenges in life, whatever it is that uh, makes them feel the need to have the support of prayer. After one creates a post, other people can then click on an I prayed button uh, or respond with a like or other reaction. They can also leave comments, send direct messages, and so on. Many religious religious leaders welcoming the idea, although there are some people who have privacy and security concerns about sharing that kind of information online. So you have to be cautious, certainly, but that's true of anything that you post online. Facebook has said advertisers will not be able to use prayer posts to target ads, which I think is a good thing. One of those who uh, likes it is Gabe Moreno. He is the executive pastor of ministries at Crossroads Community Church in Vancouver, Washington. He tells the Associated Press they are trying to follow Christ's example, saying, quote, we should go where the people are, and the people are on Facebook. So I guess that makes sense. Interesting. I have not seen that pop up, but something to look for in your news feed in the near future. Prayer requests on Facebook. I have an interesting idea there. Hey, do you remember the uh, story? Um, what was this about a month ago or so? Maybe it's been six or eight weeks ago. I'm not sure. Anyway, that video game, that Mario Brothers, Super Mario Brothers uh, video game that sold for like a million and a half dollars. was a record amount ever paid for a video game at auction. Unopened copy of uh, Super Mario 64 that sold. Last month, I think it was. Well, already that record has been broken. And another unopened copy of Super Mario Brothers from 1985 has sold for $2 million. According to the company that sold the game, this copy had a 9.8 A-plus rating on the rating scale for collectibles, meaning it was in exceptional condition. And that is now the highest amount paid for a video game. $2 million. Um, the one last mine here, it says $1.65 million. So, man, I, I missed out on the opportunity to fund my retirement. I, <laughs> you know, I opened all of my video games. I, silly me. Couple of other uh, interesting stories. Appropriate for a Monday, I saw this on the uh, newswire. Is a four day work week the key to stimulating the economy? A new study out of the UK finds that letting people have an extra day over the weekend not only gives them extra time to shop, which obviously boosts the economy, but it also could increase spending on dining, travel, hobbies, gardening, and DIY projects. The research found that a four-day work week could boost recruitment as well by making jobs more attractive, although if it becomes a universal thing, it probably 
would all cancel itself out. I mean, if you're the only one, if you're one of a few handful of companies offering a four-day work week, then it's an incentive. If everybody does it, then it's not special anymore. But nonetheless, and there are, I think, is it Norway or one of the Scandinavian countries is experimenting with the idea of making a four-day work week mandatory. And now I, I saw something over the weekend said, I think California is looking at perhaps mandating a four-day work week in the sense that if people work that fifth day of the week, it would be mandatory overtime, it would consider, be considered mandatory overtime. Now, I don't know that that law has passed or not, but the idea has been floated. And, of course, where else would that be but California? I don't know how businesses would feel about that idea, but there is certainly a lot to be said for the idea that you have more time off, you have more opportunity to spend money on all of those things you do with your time off. So it's kind of interesting. Now, here's the uh, question. Do you take a three-day weekend, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, or Friday, Saturday, Sunday? Which, is it Monday or Friday do you want off? Which I would say Monday, but that's just me. I don't know. It's interesting. So, uh, absent a four-day work week, here's something to consider as you are uh, getting up and starting your Monday, starting another week, because I know Mondays, like, ugh, I gotta get up and start another week. Consider this, it could be worse. NASA began taking applications on Friday for people to, uh, for a new job. They're looking for four people to live for a year in the Mars Dune Alpha, it's a 1,700-square-foot Martian habitat uh, inside a building at the Johnson Space Center in Houston. It is to prepare for eventually sending astronauts to Mars. So they have to figure out how are they going to survive in a Martian environment. So they're looking for guinea pigs, for people to live in this controlled environment that would simulate the Martian to simulate Martian living, uh, the paid volunteers, <laughs> if you're paid, you're not a volunteer. And if you're a volunteer, you don't get paid. But it says paid volunteers will work a simulated Martian exploration mission complete with spacewalks, limited communication back home, restricted food and resources, and uh, they'll throw in a few equipment failures just to make it realistic because you got to figure at some point things are going to break. You got to figure out how to fix them on your own. Uh, NASA is planning three of these experiments with the first one starting in the fall next year. And by the way, uh, all of the food will be ready to eat space food. Uh, and at the moment, they, uh, there will be no windows. So you won't even be able to see the outside world. Now, getting up and starting your, getting up to go to your job doesn't sound so bad, does it? That's <laughs> now my mundane, when I consider, when I consider that job, my mundane existence doesn't seem so bad. And uh, by the way, this is kind of interesting. Uh, again, on the uh, subject of getting up, getting off to work this morning. You hate fighting the traffic on a Monday. This is what we need. If you are not looking forward to uh, fighting the traffic on the way to work, this is what you need. A Russian hot rod enthusiast. A Russian hot rod enthusiast has showed off his latest custom vehicle, a car that shoots jets of fire from its headlights. <laughs> Vahan Mikhailian is a mechanic whose previous creations include a car that walks on eight legs instead of wheels. Uh, he's his latest custom car. He has dubbed the dragon shared a video of, uh, of it online showing the headlight flamethrowers launching jets of fire about 20 feet ahead of the car. I need me one of those. <laughs> I need me one of those. Those times when <laughs> you got other idiots on the road. So anyway, there you go. Some of the most uh, interesting and buzzworthy stories. To get your Monday morning started. This is ONN.
I'm Dave James on the Ohio News Network. The Ohio Attorney General's Office has rejected summary language in a petition to legalize marijuana use and sales in the state. Here's how it ends Daniel Barnett. Attorney General Dave Yost listed seven deficiencies in the petition filed by a group called Coalition to Regulate Marijuana Like Alcohol. Among the technical problems Yost cited in the summary language was that it fails to inform signers of the petition about the measure's character and limitations. The group wants to make it legal for adults 21 and older to buy and possess two and a half ounces of marijuana and grow as many as six plants inside their homes. Over the weekend, a panic sent people running out of a movie theater near the end of a film at the Easton town center on the northeast side of Columbus. Columbus Police Sergeant James Fuqua says it's important to note that no shots were fired, no weapon was ever involved. Benjamin Kendleton walked into the theater and he began screaming that he was the king and screaming out multiple obscenities and he had a bag with him and he started to reach into this bag while he was still screaming these obscenities. That's when everybody ran out. Police in the area quickly arrested Pendleton. He's charged with inducing panic. Starting today, Americans can visit Canada again as some COVID restrictions are lifted. It's complicated, though. Only those fully vaccinated can enter Canada, except for kids, and there are other rules. I'm Dave James on the Ohio News Network. You're listening to Good Mornings with Chris Oaks on 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM. Well, you remember back in the uh, height of the pandemic, uh, we uh, highlighted a lot of mental health issues that were brought up by uh, the uh, pandemic, especially for people who maybe had not necessarily struggled with these things before. And now with the spread of the Delta variant threatening to undo all of the progress we have made in fighting this pandemic, I want to talk this morning about uh, avoiding the risk of a, a relapse, for lack of a better term. And joining us this morning is the Director of Wellness and Education for the Alcohol, Drug Abuse, and Mental Health Services, uh, Adamus, uh, here in town, Zach Thomas. Uh, Zach, this is, you know, we, we spent so much time talking about uh, managing the effects, uh, depression, anxiety, these sorts of things that were certainly understandable, uh, brought on by the impact of the pandemic for so many people. And just when it seemed that things were trending in the right direction, getting better, now all of a sudden come these stories about the Delta variant. How big of a concern is is it that we may see uh, a lot of that stuff kind of rearing its ugly head again. Well, there is certainly a concern. Um, you know, one of the things to remember is that throughout the pandemic, it was a, a collective traumatic experience. Mm-hmm. There wasn't anybody that wasn't affected by it in some way or the other. Right. And so we've all been kind of experiencing this sense of grief, whether that's, you know, we lost a loved one to COVID or, you know, the closing of schools or businesses. And so we've trying to manage how to how to deal with this sense of grief and so you're right just as we've got to a point where we feel like we're turning here it go here we go again yeah yeah so so we understand that there's sometimes um we have a relapse or a sense of uh, re-experiencing that trauma again but what is important to know is that throughout the pandemic you know we really tried to spend a lot of time helping others understand the need to reach out um, whether that's you reaching out to someone that you know is struggling or you yourself uh, are aware that there are supports in the community, um, try to connect with others. Um, mm-hmm. Whether that's, you know, if it's a serious crisis, calling our hotline or reaching out to a support person or an agency that provides services. If we can hold on to that, that's that's really going to help us with this sense of what, what what's coming around the bend. We don't know, mm-hmm. uh, but we do know things that we have to support us and, and keep us safe. You know, that's uh, that's an important point, it, it, that what is coming around the corner is the great unknown. To this point here locally, anyway, we have not yet seen a huge spike because of the Delta variant. And so uh, a lot of the anxiety that we may feel is that fear of the unknown uh, based on a lot of the stories of the media and the national news reports and and so on. Um, Just like we mentioned at the beginning uh, of this, it is nothing to be ashamed of or uh, concern with that you may be experiencing some of these, this anxiety or apprehension based on that fear of the unknown. 
Yeah, absolutely. It's important for us to to recognize and honor whatever we're feeling in the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, if we try to deny those feelings, sometimes we we increase the anxiety because we yeah. feel like, oh, I should feel like this, I shouldn't feel like this, and that right. just really exacerbates that to, issue. To the it, along the same lines as you were mentioning, I mean, there are all different types of of levels of of grief uh, associated with this. Uh, in the extreme case. We may know someone who has lost their life uh, to uh, COVID-19. So, and and again, sometimes I I think we can feel maybe a little bit guilty about, oh, well, the only thing that I've lost is maybe some hours at work. It really hasn't affected me that much as compared to somebody else who may have lost a loved one. But again, uh, in whatever way that has impacted you, it's it, that's a real impact. Yeah, it is a real thing. And, and, and when, we, when we try to equate our level of discomfort or grief to someone else's, it's not fair to ourselves and not fair to others because, mm-hmm. you know, we all experience life differently. Right. Um, you know, what's important is that through this, we've had a sense of safety or we need to have a sense of safety. And because there's so many unknowns right now, you know, there's conversations about mask mandates, you know, kind of what I don't understand what's happening. Mm-hmm. It, it, it increases that sense of anxiety. But yeah. But that's where it's important to have those connections and, and reach out to others. And just when we thought we were getting some of that sense of safety back, you know, here the other shoe drops. Uh, you, you mentioned that there are resources. And again, just to maybe reiterate that or, or re-familiarize people with the uh, resources that are available, especially for the benefit of those who may be going through this uh, for the first time or, uh, you know, so on, how do people reach out? I mean, what is the, you know, what is the process, if you will? Well, we have a number of ways, and I think one of the most important ways and beneficial ways our community has is um, Hancock Helps. Um, it's, a, it's an online resource, so people can go to that website and, and find all of the resources that are available in our community, whether they're mental health support services, treatment services, or, or social services, or just a way to connect with others. Um, you know, of course, all of our treatment agencies are, are available. Uh, you can simply call them. Their numbers are available on our website, also at Hancock Helps. Um, and also just kind of doing the neighborly thing, right? You, you know, you, we spent such a long time kind of behind the fence mm-hmm. uh, over the past year. Um, and now we have an opportunity, if we feel safe enough, to, to reach out and connect that way. And you'll find that your ability to feel safe and, and supported is, is going to just grow. You know, the other uh, question that we always ask when we talk about these uh, issues is how do I know when I, I'm to the point where maybe I need professional help? And maybe the best answer is if you feel like maybe you do, then you do. Yeah, if, if you notice things are affecting your daily routine or, or you just you just can't quite put your finger on what, what you're feeling or, or explaining it, you know, that's, that's a good sign that maybe I need to seek out someone or, or, or an agency to talk to. Um, you know, one of the things that we, we understood during the pandemic was something called ambiguous grief. This idea that just something just doesn't feel right, but I can't quite put my finger on what it is. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, that's kind of a sign or an indicator that maybe I do need to talk to someone, and that's perfectly okay. Uh, again, along the, the lines of what we were talking about, comparing your grief or, or your feelings of anxiety, depression, whatever it might happen to be, uh, comparing that with, with others, uh, we don't want to give the – people may, may think, oh, yeah, okay, maybe I'm struggling a little bit, but I, it's not that bad. I don't need to seek somebody out. If you feel like you need someone to talk to, it's perfectly okay wherever you are on that spectrum, if you will. Yeah, we, we often heard during the pandemic the phrase, it's okay to not be okay. Right. And if we can hold on to that, then hopefully that gives us some confidence that it's, it is okay to seek support. And that may be a one-time, uh, you know, reaching out. It may be an ongoing thing. You know, uh, who knows? But uh, there's there's nothing to be ashamed of in in reaching out when when you need help. You uh, are still uh, offering uh, online uh, support and and in-person support. All of that uh, is still available. Yeah, a lot of those services that were created during the pandemic, the telemedicine mm-hmm. uh, supports, are still available. Uh, depending on a person's comfort level and, and yeah. needs and the level of care that's required. One of the th- one of the good things that's come out of this. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah that's very true. Um, so, a- again, 
there are a wealth of resources in the community for those who uh, you know may need to reach out. And you mentioned the website where folks can you know start on that uh, journey, if you will. Yeah, Hancock Helps is a tremendous website. Um, if you're looking for anything in the community, that's the first place to go to. And we have it linked up at our webpage as well, so you can check that out online. Again, uh, on this Mental Health Monday, just a reminder that we uh, want to be mindful of this, uh, not discount it, not uh, ignore ignore it uh, and and certainly address it again as we uh, see this uh, next wave perhaps coming uh, may uh, lead to more mental health issues for some of those who have struggled in the past, maybe struggling in the future. Adamus, Director of Wellness and Education with uh, Zach Thomas with us uh, this morning. Zach, thanks very much for dropping by. We appreciate thanks. it. Thanks, Chris. Well, no secret that Americans are feeling more stressed than ever these days, and I probably don't have to tell you why. Well, in honor of National Wellness Month, health and wellness expert, celebrity fitness trainer, founder of The Breath Zone, and Waterpick Water for Wellness Council member, Rebecca Kordecki, has some tips for getting that tranquil spa experience right in your own bath. Uh, so, Rebecca, we've, we've all seen these home improvement shows, or the big reveal has this master bath uh, that is something like you would see in some millionaire's mansion. Is it really possible to turn our humble bathroom into a spa-like oasis without spending a small fortune? It certainly is. I think I changed mine for under $100 wow. into an amazing oasis feeling. It's so simple. I mean, it's things we, we probably even have in our house, some of us, like moving certain plants into the bathroom. Um, specifically, though, a eucalyptus plant is amazing. It's soothing and calming. And the fragrance from the leaves, when they open up when the shower, the heat from the shower hits it. So that's a really easy thing, and they're inexpensive. You can get an essential oil diffuser, again, inexpensive, and add something like lavender to it, which will soothe and calm you. Um, changing the artwork, bringing in, doing your own art, which is what I've done. I created a few pieces of my own and brought them in. So I did the paintings, simple. I said to buy a canvas, right? And then, you know, the other thing that I think we probably would, would miss unless someone gives you the great tip is changing out the shower head. And I use, um, for two years now, I've been using the Waterpick Power Pulse Therapeutic Strength Massage Shower Head. And it changes everything in my morning now. And it cha- I can change it in three minutes from my old shower head to my new one. Mm-hmm. And it's under $50. Yeah, it, so, they're not very crazy. expensive. They're not very expensive. So uh, how does the massaging shower head turn uh, just an everyday, ordinary shower into a wellness experience? Well, this particular shower head, it's been clinically shown to um, soothe muscle tension, increase flexibility, promote restful sleep. And, you know, aside from the fact that it's got this great pulsing massage shower head that's beating down on your body, it mm. feels awesome. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, and then you mentioned uh, the uh, scents, uh, eucalyptus, lavender, a couple of scents that can help. Uh, they're more uh, kind of a, a calming, uh, refreshing type of rejuvenating uh, thing. You also uh, talk about uh, using, and this is right up your alley, uh, breath work, uh, affirmations, uh, and, yeah. and sort of incorporating those really into your entire day, but starting right there from the beginning. Right from the beginning, yeah. The first thing I do when I open my eyes, big, deep breath, and just let everything go. And then I take that same kind of breath pattern, like a big inhale and an audible sigh, exhale into the shower. And then I do four to six cycles of that particular style of breathing and add some affirmations on top of that and a little bit of gratitude, and you got a recipe for success for the rest of your day. So really, just as simple as that, we uh, tend to maybe overcomplicate uh, things, uh, and and that sort of speaks to what we're talking about, focusing on those uh, little pleasures and the simple things that we can do to relieve that stress and, uh, you know, again, sort of reset our minds here. 
Yeah, yeah, and I think I think that's such a good point that we do overthink it. Don't overthink it. Don't overcomplicate it. Just breathe into happy. <laughs> breathe into feeling good. Breathe into letting it be easy. Letting it be easy. Again, health and health and wellness expert Rebecca Tor- uh, Kordecki with us uh, this morning, talking about uh, turning your uh, everyday morning routine right there in your in your own bath into uh, a sort of spa like experience in honor of National Wellness Month. Focusing on yourself, relieving some of that stress. Where do we get more information? Just go over to waterpickwellness.com. We'll link up to it on our webpage as well. Rebecca, thanks very much for the time. We appreciate it. Thank you. Have a good one. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Today's update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veteran Services. Police in Winnipeg, Ontario, Canada arrested a man in the day who cut down about a dozen trees on a highway median uh, while trying to move his house out of the city. <laughs> Well, moving your house is okay, but uh, you can't cut down the uh, trees in the public right of way. In order to, officers say the man got a permit to transport the home, but never confirmed the load dimensions or the accessibility of the route. Uh, a man associated with the move was arrested and charged with uh, uh, mischief. Uh, public property of more than five thousand dollars. The move was temporarily halted. Well, now, what does that look like? I mean, you get the, <laughs> it was the house in the middle of the road and they just had to stop there while they uh, figured out the uh, the whole mess? I don't know, but <laughs> I'll just cut down these trees. No big deal. Didn't take too kindly to that, apparently. Uh, elsewhere in the uh, broken news, a California woman was so spooked after a stranger opened her car door that she drove off a cliff. Uh, Police say the woman was sitting in the parking lot of the Santa Cruz Walton Lighthouse when someone mistakenly opened her her car door, thinking it was their car. Have you ever done that in a parking lot, gone up to the wrong car, looks kind of like yours? You go to, to get in and you realize that it's not your car? Well, apparently that's what happened. And uh, but this woman was spooked so much that she <laughs> that she actually uh, hit the gas and drove off a cliff. She suffered an injury to her foot. No major in- injuries were reported. Thank goodness. The person who opened the woman's door thought they were entering the passenger seat to their own car, which is a similar model and color. <laughs> Try explaining that one to your insurance company. You know what I mean? That's be tough uh let's see here elsewhere in the broken news this morning this from the international file in russia a woman is suing mcdonald's now you would think that this is a strictly an american thing people suing mcdonald's over crazy things you know like the coffee is too hot or you know whatever you, you know these crazy lawsuits well in russia Woman is suing McDonald's saying one of their advertisements tempted her into breaking her fast during Lent. <laughs> In a court statement, Ksenia Ovenikova says she was adhering to the Lenten fast. She was doing real well. Uh, and and in her in her religion's custom, uh, the Lenten fast forbids meat. Uh, along with dairy and similar products for a month when she noticed and she was doing real well until she saw a sign for a McDonald's and she said she couldn't resist and went into the restaurant to buy a hamburger. And now she is looking for the fast food giant to pay her $14 in compensation for breaching consumer protection law and causing her moral damage. (laughs) It was all their fault. And she broke her Lenten fast. (laughs) Well, at least, you know, it's not America because she's only asking for $14. (laughs) This country would be like 14 million. And anyway, sometimes the broken news is a little closer to home. 
Uh, this from outside of Columbus. Uh, apparently, authorities spent nearly a week. Was this last week? Week before last? Uh, spent nearly a week hunting for a stolen trailer carrying tens of thousands of dollars worth of bathroom supplies. Uh, The trailer apparently vanished last week from a high school parking lot in Groveport, Ohio. Inside the trailer was about $45,000 worth of toilets, sinks, and other bathroom fixtures being uh, used for a construction project. They're installing new, was it a school, so I'm assuming they were building a new school or an expansion on the school. These were all of the bathroom supplies. (laughs) $45,000 worth of toilets and sinks and such. The trailer was left uh, in the parking lot, and the school's security footage caught the supposed theft. Someone drove a a truck onto the grounds and hauled it away. Police eventually found the trailer packed with the important supplies. I mean, these are important supplies. You can't uh, have a bathroom without toilets. Uh, They uh, found the trailer, and eventually they were able to rule the incident an accident rather than a theft. They said it was a result of miscommunication between the construction companies and contractors involved. <laughs> they didn't intend to steal all the toilets. It just had the wrong trailer. <laughs> no further details were given and no charges have been filed. <laughs> Oops. Hey, who made off with our toilets? <laughs> That's quite a... It's quite a uh, mistake there. Good good thing they, they got it back. And finally, in the broken news this morning, some residents in a northern Michigan community are complaining about noise during the summer nights. No, it's not rowdy teenagers. It's a, a group of unruly adults playing pickleball. Iron Mountain in the Upper Peninsula uh, will not restrict picketball hours at the city's four pickleball courts. The city manager, Jordan uh, Stanchina, had suggested ending games at 6 p.m. But a group of players attended a recent council meeting to object. Roxanne Hudson, who lives next to the court, says she and her husband just want to move. The noise has been so bad. The noise from paddles and plastic balls goes on hour after hour and just drives you nuts. They they just want it to end, but city council says, no, they're not breaking any laws. There you go. There you go. Uh, that is uh, today's broken news report. This uh, update in the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. WFIN, your year-round home for exciting sports play-by-play coverage. Cleveland Indians baseball, Finley Trojan and Ohio State football and basketball, Blue Jackets hockey, and the NFL regular season, postseason, and Super Bowl. The Indians have won the American League pennant, and Cleveland, for the sixth time ever, you will have a World Series. The best in live sports coverage happens here. 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM. And now the daily download this morning, the numbers behind the news, the statistics that shape our lives. If you're like millions of people, you relied on Amazon and other online retailers as a way to avoid shopping in person since the beginning of the pandemic. In some cases, for for a time anyway, it was you pretty much had to because a lot of brick and mortar stores were closed. That's not so much an issue anymore, but a new survey shows that our uptick in online shopping is indeed here to stay. Now, this is a non-scientific poll of about 2,000 Americans. Non-scientific, but it does uh, reiterate the what the, what the uh, retail experts have been saying, that this shift toward on, uh, online shopping e-commerce that was already well underway before the pandemic has uh, accelerated exponentially as a result of COVID-19. of those in this survey say they expect to use home delivery services even more despite the fact that the darkest days of the pandemic seem to be behind us. In fact, 83% in the survey say they could see doing all their shopping 
from their couches in the future. 70% of those polled say they are using home delivery more than ever because of the COVID-19 pandemic. And the same percentage say that they have been using it more for necessities in addition to their pre-pandemic standard online purchases. Even if the pandemic disappeared tomorrow, even if tomorrow just like that, it was no longer a thing, 69% said that they would still shop at home thanks to the habits that they picked up in the days of social distancing. That said, customers did have a few issues with delivery services, home delivery services and online shopping. 42% would love more secure delivery boxes, and they do make those. You can, you can buy to put on your front porch to make it less likely that thieves make off with your packages. And 42% would love more secure delivery boxes. 34% would like more auto-replenishment access for frequently purchased items. And uh, again, Amazon and some others will do that, uh, where you can set it up so every so often you get a delivery of regular supplies like laundry detergent. Every couple of weeks it'll send you more laundry detergent or whatever interval you set. But that is a, a feature that a lot of people like. 31% also said they dread getting a package shipped to them that needs a signature because that can be incredibly inconvenient. Wasn't so much the case during the pandemic when we were spending all of our time at home because we had nowhere to go, but now that we're resuming our lives, deliveries that require a signature, uh, once again, are, are more... Uh, inconvenient so that is a uh, uh, one concern with online shopping time now to get an update on what's happening with the hancock county osu extension 4-h program family and consumer sciences extension educator jennifer little is with us uh, from the uh, osu extension jennifer thanks very much for dropping by we appreciate it Thanks good for having to, me, Chris. Good to have you with us uh, here this morning. First of all, as we mentioned, the uh, 4-H kids are uh, really busy getting ready for the fair right now because it's going to be here before you know it. Yes, yes. Um, in fact, I was fortunate to help judge some of the projects a couple weeks ago, and we've got just such a wonderful um, group of youth in Hancock County that are working very hard. And I'm always impressed to see all the work that they put into their projects and the diversity of interests that these kids have. And I would imagine they've got to be really excited about the prospect of a full fair uh, this year, welcoming people back to be able to see their projects and, you know, all of that. So. Yes, yes. And it's exciting this year because there's actually going to be um, the dedication of the new junior fair building, right. which will yeah. be Tuesday night before the before the um, ribbon cutting for to opening the 2020 Hancock County Fair, um, which will be happening um so the fair will be running September 1st, Wednesday through um, September 7th. And mm -hmm. I'm really excited um, to be a part of the fair activities this year. Um, so I'm, I'm planning, as far as myself, we are, I'm going to be part of a booth. We're going to have um, an extension booth. It's going to be in the Grange building this year, which will be a little bit different. But we're going to feature a lot of the programming that we do throughout the year at our booth. Mm -hmm. So people can stop by and and find out just what all we do in extension. Of course, 4-H is a big part of what we do, but right. ag and natural resources, of course. Ed is very busy helping a lot of farmers and um, community members. We have master gardeners, which is also, they'll be there in the Grange building as well. If mm -hmm. people want to stop by, ask garden questions. They're always, they're a wonderful group of volunteers that do a lot to help the community as far as gardening, plant health, and that sort of thing. And then, of course, I will be there as well, talking about some of the things that we'll be doing with Family Consumer Sciences. We've been without an educator now for a year, so we'll be ramping up some new things. Not only without an educator, but obviously uh, because of the pandemic, uh, obviously, it's. I guess it was a good time for that transition period because there wasn't a whole lot you could do right, <laughs> in right, the first yes, place yes, yeah, yes, so. uh, over the uh, course of the uh, the past year. Um, and, and you mentioned there are so many things, uh, Extension has their hand in so many things, 4-H, uh, Obviously, a big part of it, uh, obviously, on the on the ag centric side. But then, uh, as your uh, title would suggest, family and consumer sciences is a big part of what OSU Extension does. And you're looking to reboot a lot of those programs heading into uh, exactly. the latter part of the year. Yeah, um, the areas that we focus on in family and consumer sciences, we say, are 
healthy people. So talking about wellness and health and nutrition and how people can keep themselves healthy. We also talk about healthy finances. So working with people who are trying to get their finances on track, helping youth understand um, financial literacy. In fact, I'll be working with 4-H. We've got a big in-school program that will be back in full swing this year. It's called Real Money, Real World, where we actually are in most of the school systems in Hancock County. Um, And this year, we're real excited because the Ohio Department of Treasury, they've reached out to us. They're going to be supporting this program. So we're hoping to work with, I know we're going to be in like working with all of the freshmen in Family City Schools, as well as um, some junior high and high schools and the other districts here in Hancock County. So that's a big, big project that Family and Consumer Sciences and 4-H partner together with. We also do some other in-school programming, too, related to like the history of Finley, Breads of the Harvest. We work with elementary school kids, talking about nutrition, talking about the pioneers who settled this area and, and how they ate to survive and, and helping them to understand a little bit about food and nutrition as well. So that's a kind of a fun project. So I'm excited about working with the youth, but also adult programming. I've already been a part of some programming with 50 North, um, and I've got a series that I'm starting with the um, library, they've reached out to me. They're, the library does amazing things here in Hancock County, but eat well, live well. So I'll be back to doing some, be able to do some in-person kind of food demonstration, tasting activities, talking about how we can eat healthier to live healthier lives and longer um, quality of life. So uh, again, so exciting to be able to you know get back uh, into the swing of things. You mentioned the in-school programs too. That's uh, I was going to mention. You know, obviously with the kids back in class uh, full time, and and hopefully will be through the course uh, of the entire school year and get the opportunity to uh, get back into the classroom, which historically is a, a big part of what you do. So yes, yes, of course. If you want to change the way we live, if you want to. You know, yeah. help people be healthier and and, and um, adapt healthy act healthy lifestyle habits. You, know, mm-hmm. you want to start with them when they're young. And Absolutely, this is an impressionable time. And and kids are amazing. They 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 want to learn and they're hungry for knowledge. And it's so they're they're in an age where they can be influenced in many positive and negative ways. So we obviously want to insert um, some positive messages. Right. Those habits are formed now. So yeah, Uh, may as well make sure that they're good habits. So they, uh, that they get started uh, early. And with respect to the uh, community uh, programs uh, that are involved in family consumer sciences, is there a timeline for, you know, when uh, you hope to have those uh, programs back up? I know we were mentioning before you went on the air and you were kind of alluding to uh, just a moment ago, um, reaching, out to a number of community entities uh, to uh, help you do that. Yes. So it's a um, big process, yes, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah. and part of, um, of course, me being new to this role, so trying to get to know some of those community partners. In my previous job, I did some a lot of work with um, the healthcare setting, the healthcare sector here, a bunch of Valley Health Systems here, through um, working with um, some inpatient and outpatient organizations. Um, so I will be actually kicking off some of that stuff pretty much in the fall. Um, okay. I'm kind of building the partnerships, kind of learning my role, um, working um, to understand the specific needs of Hancock County. Um, and, and then setting up all of the yeah. times and, you know, yes, uh, making yes. all of the arrangements and, and all of that. So it's a it's a big process, I would imagine. Yeah. So like I said, my um, Eat Well, Live Well um, program at the library will be starting in September. Okay. And obviously, a lot of most of the school stuff will be starting in September and October. Mm-hmm. We just um, met with uh, City Life, which is a local after-school program for youth in in the city of Finley last week, and talking about some um, program that we'll be doing with them after school. Um, then also, I'm a part of the um, Food Security Coalition, which works to um, address some of the. Um, food insecurity in the community. And um, we're going to have an event early in September with um, local legislators and statewide legislators kind of to draw the attention and and help them understand the problem of hunger, even in communities like Hancock County and Finley, and understanding that what um, they can do as legislators and, and what we need, you know, as far as support for local area food banks and food pantries. And so that's going to be an exciting thing to be a part of planning that and and helping educate these legislators on what they're, what um, some of the ways that they can support um, those needy families in our community. Um, we're also going to be doing a, a helping out with a, um, a food distribution 
on on site that day. Um, so that's exciting. It's coming up Feb- September 17th on Friday. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's it's been great to get to know this community. And I've had a lot of help from the the people both on the local level in my own office, you mm-hmm. know, getting to know um, the community and um, as well as people in organizations. I've been a, attended some meetings with the Chamber of Commerce and I visited the Family Center and stopped by places like WIC and kind of introduced myself. And that's another thing that I plan to do at the fair, trying to make myself available. I'll be spending some time um, in the Grange building there at our booth, but also doing some programming related to sun safety and trying to go out to the, the new youth building and doing some program out there with the kids on Kids Day, because Kids Day is going to be, um, I believe it is, um, yeah, September 2nd on Thursday. Yeah. So trying to to get to know the community there and make myself known to those around me and um, getting to know some of the 4-H families, the ag families, and families from all over the county that'll be in at the Hannah County So Fair. you have a lot on, on your plate. You're sure there's only one of you, right? <laughs> So a lot to a lot to come from uh, OSU Extension and uh, Family and Consumer Sciences uh, in particular. So stay tuned. And the closer we get to a number of these programs, the more we're going to be talking specifics uh, on them. But it's it's good to uh, again be back into full swing now as uh, things kind of hopefully get back to normal moving forward. So yes, thank you very much. Yes, and I will see. I hope to see everybody at the fair. We're going to be doing some dermis scan. Um, exams, helping people understand about sun safety. We're going to talk about some food and master gardeners will be out there in the Grange building. So I hope everyone will come out and see us at the fair. And I look forward to working with everybody else this fall. Looking forward to it as well. Again, uh, Family and Consumer Sciences Extension Educator Jennifer Little, the Hancock County uh, OSU Extension. Jennifer, thanks very much for dropping by. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Chris. And that will put a wrap on our podcast for today. I want to thank all of our guests for joining us on the program. Remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each day on the show at our webpage. That is, of course, goodmornings.net. Check us out online. Coming up tomorrow on the program, we speak with Ohio Department of Health Chief Medical Officer Dr. Bruce Vanderhoff about vaccine hesitancy, Delta variant spread, and the options that are on the table to keep another surge in check. Until tomorrow morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. We'll catch you back here tomorrow.